This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Do you know the difference between warp drive and impulse power? Do you have an opinion over which design of the USS Enterprise was the best? Do you remember when Klingons didn't have ridges on their foreheads? If you answered yes to those questions, then chances are you're a Star Trek fan. I would like to invite you to listen to my new podcast, The Prime Direction. For 50 years, Star Trek has been affecting people from all walks of life, teaching life lessons and changing the lives of people all over the world. The Prime Direction is the story of those fans. On every episode, I'll sit down with a lifelong fan of Star Trek and trace their fandom back to the very beginning. We'll talk about their favorite characters, the toys they played with, and what their favorite series is. But more importantly, we'll talk about how the show has made their life better. So join me on The Prime Direction on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as our website at CosmicPotato.com. And if you'd like to be on the show, just send me an email at mail at CosmicPotato.com, and we'll arrange a time for you to tell me about your prime direction. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 32 of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean and with me in the virtual studio is Rick. Welcome, sir. Howdy, howdy. And returning from our Ghostbusters themed episode from a few weeks back is Brock. How are you today, sir? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing doing great. Uh, We got a few things to talk about. Our main topic tonight is going to be... Uh, TV shows and movies that we think would make a good sequel or reboot or remake or something like that. But um, before we get into that, got a couple other things that I wanted to touch on. But um, this is a a geek culture type show, but I never claimed to be a news breaking show. So (laughs) talking about the news, uh, the news of uh, Star Trek Discovery and the things that they've announced that they're going to have. I know it's been talked about a thousand times on other podcasts, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it. <laughs> so so I'm going to talk about it here tonight. And Rick, I know you've already talked about it probably a couple of times on a couple of different shows, so apologies. I never get tired of talking <laughs> Star Trek, so... <laughs> but uh, they finally came out with some information about more of what the show is going to be like, what it's going to be about, and... and uh, when it's going to take place and things like that. So um, the main thing is that they, they said that it's going to be 10 years before TOS. 
So it's going to kind of bridge the gap between uh, Enterprise and the original series. So what do you guys think of that? Uh, I'm I'm a little disappointed that it's another prequel. Uh, but that being said, everything else about it has me really psyched. So uh, I'm willing to – well, it, they're also picking a time period that we know nothing about. Uh, and they're picking a ship that we've never heard of with a crew that we don't know. So that takes a lot of the curse of being a prequel off of it. Because you know, my big problem with prequels is if there's anyone in the cast in the show that you know or if it's a ship you're familiar with or it's circumstances you're aware of from later uh, later in the timeline, there's only so much tension they can do before you're like, well, I know this isn't going to go completely south because you know we already know how this story ends. Um, but we, you know, we don't know the, the starship discovery from any other ship. We don't know anyone that's going to be on the ship. So as long as they're not threatening the entire galaxy or, you know, something like that, uh, they can ramp up the tension all they want and not damage and not have that. Oh, well, we know nobody's going to die sort of thing. So I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah. They're not going to be able to like start a war or anything like that, that, that hasn't been talked well, about before. I, well, I mean, it, they, they, can, it can start a war if it's something that has maybe been mentioned before, but I don't know. I mean, they can't just make up some alien race and say, oh, we're going to be at war with them for, you know, decades or whatever, because <laughs> because obviously... In Cindy! Team, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> True. That was a lot further back, though. So, I don't know. Brock, what do you yeah. think about all this? I have actually, and and I'm a, I, I've always loved Star Trek. It's always been one of my first loves. And I, uh, I don't know. I've been so knee deep in work the last month or so. <laughs> I've <couple of> <laughs> not been able to pay a whole lot of attention, but I, um, I did see the, uh, the announcement of the show and all, and I did see the, I guess the teaser trailer where they showed the ship. Um, and I, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I, I think that, my biggest problem with it is the fact that it's going to be on CBS All Access. <laughs> yeah. They're going to show the pilot on on CBS, and then it's like, okay, fork over your money every month to be able to watch it. I, I'm kind of against that, but at the same time, it's not that expensive, and it's Star Trek. I'll dish out the money for it. Yeah, I was going to say it's not a it's not a god awful sum. It's only I think it's six or seven dollars a month, and yeah, I'll probably. I'll probably subscribe for as long as the sh- that show is on and then probably cancel because there's not I've had CBS All Access before and there's not really anything else on there that I'm interested in watching. Everything else that's on there is on television. You know, so yeah. I recorded on my DVR or whatever. But some of the other things that they came out with, they said that the uh, the main character of the show is not going to be the captain or the head commander of the ship, which is not been done before in a series you know the main character of the show has always been captain kirk captain picard you know captain cisco whatever and this is going to be a lieutenant commander that serves on the ship and they're making a big deal about it being a woman but you know we've had female lead characters before janeway was a woman and all of that but but it will be interesting to see how they uh put the show out because i, I think they're going to kind of do kind of a modern day uh, serial type show where I keep going back to using Grey's Anatomy and Quantico and things like that as an example where 
the main character is not necessarily like on Grey's Anatomy. The main character is not the head of the hospital, but the head of the hospital is a character on the show and has uh, and has storylines about him. You know, so I'm kind of thinking they're going to do something like that. Yeah, well, Brian Fuller has uh, one of the other things he announced is it's going to be a 13 episode season. Yeah, and it's and it's going to be a season long story arc. Uh, Which so, is pretty typical uh, for for today's television. For today, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know, I, I I Brock, I dig where you're coming from on on the the all access thing. I've heard a lot of people unhappy about that. I you know, I'm I'm kind of in Sean's camp of you know we when they announced it that night at dinner, uh, I said to my wife, hey, they announced there's going to be a new Star Trek show and it's going to be on CBS All Access. You know, it's like six bucks a month or something. She goes, oh, well, that's too bad. I said, no, you know, I I do not ever make unilateral decisions in this house, but we will pay for Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the fact that it's kind of behind a paywall, I think, will give them a degree of freedom we haven't seen in Star Trek henceforth. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of excited about the opportunities that may afford them. Uh uh, Fuller has said it's going to be more graphic than we've seen in the past. Uh, he hasn't defined what that might mean. Um, I, I hope it's not. It doesn't mean that they're going to get bloodier. Uh, but I, I think it might just be a matter of, you know, they're they're not going to be hindered by a whole lot of studio meddling as far as uh, standards and practices go. I'm sure there's a line they won't cross even. Uh, you know, even being on on all access, but I think it it'll allow for maybe more adult storytelling yeah. and not adult in the you know kind of, but <laughs> you know, a more grown up. Let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah, because Star Trek has always been something that you can watch with your family, and I don't want to sit down and watch some TVM rated <laughs> rated Star Trek with my kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to see you know the Federation turn into the Game of Thrones or anything like that, but. Uh, <laughs> I certainly don't want to see, you know, what happens every seven years with the Vulcans. So. <laughs> True. Well, you know, I, if it, one of my biggest problems with Enterprise, I'm not one of the haters of Enterprise. I enjoyed the show, a, a lot of the show. There was some of it I didn't care for. Uh, but there were so many times that they did something that was purely for titillation purposes, like the smearing uh, anti uh, decontamination gel all over each other yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you know, I I don't mind a little, uh, you know, a little uh, sexy time in Star Trek as long as it makes sense that it should be there. Uh, you know, putting to Paul and and Trip in the in the decon room and giving them a you know a, a cup of Jello each that doesn't make any sense. But you know, if they if they want to get a little more. Uh, I don't know. What happens on Rise stays on Rise. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm. I'm just the only thing I've heard about the show, and this, and it well, it kind of came from from Fuller, but not really. Is somebody mentioned Section Thirty One, and they said, "Will we see Section Thirty One?" And he, what what he said was he he didn't rule it out. Uh, about the only thing he has ruled out is this will have nothing to do with the Battle of Axanar. Which was, I wondered about strict. that because because he did say that there was going to be it was going to be centered around an event that 
has been talked about in Star Trek, but has never been shown. And everybody immediately thought, oh, well, that's why they were so heavy about uh, getting rid of Axanar, because they're going to make it about Axanar. But, yeah, you're right. He's come out and he's come out since then and said that it's not. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's it's a it, – Star Trek belongs on television. I have said this many, many times in the past. Uh We've had we've had to settle for the movies, and we get excited about the movies, but the movies do not serve Star Trek well uh, because they have to be all things to all people to get the the, the most butts in the seats. Uh, they have to be bang bang shoot them up to to tickle the ears of the groundlings, and I I just I, on TV Star Trek has room to breathe and room to introspect and and blow things up and just do everything that we we have loved star trek doing for the past 50 years yeah they've also i don't he did he come out and actually say that there will be a gay character or did he just hint and say yes. that there might okay. no no he, he absolutely said there will be okay so and which i mean that's not a big deal because it's, it's 2016 i think it'd be unrealistic to make a show that didn't have at least one gay character on there i just hope that they don't make the character that's on and the only reason that they're there is to be gay you know make a make a good solid character and give them a lot to do and 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 let their character move the plot and don't make their sexual orientation the only thing about them that the only reason that they're there you know what i'm saying because if it was a it, you know, if there's a ton of straight characters, they're not there just to be straight. <laughs> you know, they're just characters on a show, and that's the way it. Sh- that, I think that's the way it should be. Like the way that they did with Sulu in the in in Star Trek Beyond, it wasn't made to be a big deal. Now the be- the media ba- made it a big deal, but yeah. in, if you actually just saw the movie and you didn't see any of those stories that came out, well, it's not a big deal. You know, Sulu just puts his arm around this man and they walk away. You know, yeah, so yeah. So, I would like to see them handle it. Uh, did you see the the reboot of Battlestar Galactica? I didn't. No. Oh, okay. There were a couple of gay characters on the show, and it was it was they were characters, and then at some point along the along the way, we found out that they they were gay. Yeah. Uh, and it was not like ooh, look at them. It was just okay. Gata is gay. Okay. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know, I, uh, what's her name? Michelle Forbes' Admiral Kane was uh, also gay, um, and that that was kind of more of a more important to her plotline. Um, but it, but again, it still it wasn't the be all and end all for her being there, and it was handled very well. And I'd love to see him do do it that way. There was a story that came out today, and you know all these stories that pop up on Facebook. You don't know how true they are if they're just clickbait or whatever. But it said. William Shatner is open to having a cameo on this new series. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, for what? crying out loud. What? Bill, you know, I, I love you, but go home. <laughs> well, you know, the last time this kind of story came around, it was about Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. And it had a headline like that. And then you read the story. And what happened was in an interview about something else, someone said, hey, if J.J. Abrams called you up tomorrow and said, will you be on the show? Would you do it? And Shatner said, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. And then that became Shatner wants to be on. And it was like, no. Yeah. That is not what he said. And that could be what this is as well. Like I said, you, you see this stuff pop up on all the time, but. Did either one of you guys see this show that came on this week called um, Sherry? What was the name of that show that we watched the other night? The uh, Better Late Than Never. It came on um, 
night before last, I think, and it had William Shatner, Henry Winkler, uh, George Foreman, and Terry Bradshaw. And they were sending them on a trip basically around the world. They're going to different cities around the world, and it's just a road trip with just these four old guys. And (laughs) it was hilarious. I I, I thought it was, I mean, you could tell that a lot of it was set up, you know, that they're putting, they're putting them in these situations, putting them on a Japanese, um, morning talk show, sending them to a Japanese restaurant and not telling them what they're eating (laughs) and stuff like that. But to see William Shatner and Henry Winkler standing in a Japanese subway arguing about directions, (laughs) (laughs) it made me laugh. So. I think no, it's going to be. I didn't see it. I think it's going to be a weekly show for the next six or seven weeks or something like that. So, I'm... yeah, I, I saw the commercial for it and uh, was definitely intrigued by it because I've met both Shatner and Winkler, and um, I just I had totally forgot about it after I saw the commercial. So I need to go back and go back and catch up on it. I met Henry Winkler uh, several years ago at the car show that they have in Birmingham, the World of Wheels. He was there mm-hmm. signing autographs, and you know most of the guys that come in and sign autographs, they're yeah, hey, how you doing? And and sign your autograph, and you're on. And um, he actually he actually took time to have a a short conversation with everybody. Of course, it made the line really long, but it was fine because you know you got to you got a chance to to speak with him. He did a magic trick for my kids. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Click. Uh, the the Adam Sandler movie and in that film he does a magic trick a lot with a trick coin and he actually carries that coin with him everywhere and he does this trick for kids and stuff and then yeah uh, he does and then uh, Danny is it Danny Most that played uh, Ralph was Donnie Donnie Most yeah he was there as well but there wasn't a whole lot of people <laughs> in his line I felt kind of <laughs> felt kind of bad for Donnie but he was he was just sitting there until somebody wanted to take a picture with both of them and he'd jump up and go take his picture but <laughs> the uh the other story that I wanted to bring up before we get into our main topic and there's really not a ton to say about it but I just thought it was interesting the uh 15th anniversary collector's edition of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit is coming out ne- uh in October it has 30 discs in it and it's going to cost seven hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, you know, I loved Lord of the Rings when it came out. I think I, I like the first one better than the rest of them, and I was happy to have a film version. But I don't think there's any movie that I would pay seven hundred twenty dollars to own a copy of it. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, and and the fact they're bundling that nice little wooden shelf. Yeah. That is made in China, and I'm like, no. If this was handcrafted, right? You know, if each individual one was different in some way, shape, or form, yeah, little, I could see a couple of hundred, but a not, little wooden shelf, and, and all the all the DVDs are in like a faux leather binder, and they're mm-hmm. all they're all extended editions, and they have all the bonus content that was ever released, and there's a sketchbook in there, and some reproductions of some watercolor paintings. Seven hundred twenty dollars, and the, nope. the the bonus material for Lord of the Rings is not even in Blu-ray. The films are, and the bonus material for Hobbit is Blu-ray, but the bonus material for um, Lord of the Rings was never filmed. I don't think I don't guess it was ever filmed in high def, so they're not putting that out on Blu-ray. But if you don't want the all the frills and everything, you can get a box set of Lord of Lord of the Rings for like sixty, and the Hobbit for like sixty five. You know, so you might <laughs> you might just want to stick with that. 
Well, I have all of the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movies, and the last time any of them were taken out of their boxes was seven years ago. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I'm I'm fine for the new one. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of they're kind of appointment viewing because they're so long. You yeah. know, you have to kind of plan out that you're going to watch it, and usually, you know, have guests over and make a party out of it or something like that. Because I don't, if I'm home on a Saturday afternoon, it's not the film that I pop in because I don't want to spend the entire afternoon watching one movie. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, we we uh, you know, I was about to be aghast that it's 15 years since the Lord of the Rings started, but then I remembered that was uh, one of the first movies my wife and I saw together when we were dating. Uh, so the the time frame is just about right. Um, so, you know, we got the extended editions when they came out uh, with each movie, watched them once, went, yep, that was more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't think I've watched Return of the King since I saw it in theater, in the theater, just because it's so long. I think it's the yeah. longest one. Um, I, Fellowship, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, I've seen a couple of times but not an extended edition just when it's on cable or whatever. I own them, but I never, you know, I hardly use my DVD player at all anymore anyway, because there's so much available online as far as Netflix and Hulu. And then if I want to watch something a little newer, you know, you've got Google play that you can rent stuff off of and, and, and all of that. So I don't, I don't even think I've put a DVD in my, in my player in probably the last year or so. So, well, I, it's a rare occasion when our television is not dominated by whimsical uh, anthropomorphic <laughs> animals. <laughs> or... I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to move into the, the main topic. Um, this time around, we're going to be talking about movies. We're going to be talking about TV shows and, and things that we think are ready for a good reboot, remake, sequel, something along those lines. And, Every summer, we get all of the above, whether it's something that we actually want or not. <laughs> you know, sometimes it turns out good. Sometimes it turns out bad. You know, Creed was good, but it's kind of what's known as a legacy sequel, and it, it's a sequel to an old series, but it's more of a soft reboot at the same time. Um, a couple of years ago, we got RoboCop, which was not a huge success and not very faithful to nah. the source material. <laughs> you know, so so I wanted to have a discussion about this. And, you know, a lot of times we get TV, old TV shows that are made into movies. And so what TV shows do we think would make a good movie that they haven't done yet or that they need to do again and start over? What older movies do we think they should reboot? Uh, which ones should they not reboot? But we'd like to have a sequel that hasn't had one yet or hasn't had one in a while. But I want to make a disclaimer that just because we think that a movie could use a reboot or a reimagining does not necessarily mean that we think that the original is bad. You know, in some cases, it's just because we might want to see additions to a series, but it's been so long that it would that the original would have to be updated in order to do more of them. There's classics that we love, but that uh, that doesn't mean that we turn our noses up at a remake because you know we all love the original Ghostbusters, but the reboot was fun. You know, so. Um, so I tell you what, we'll go around, we'll, we'll take turns, go around the circle like we usually do. I'm going to start with Brock since he's our, our, our guest tonight. Well, um, I tell you the, the, the reboot that's already happened 
but a sequel has not even been mentioned uh, that I really would like to see um, is the A-Team. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie when it came out. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to that one, seeing all those guys get back together and do another one. Yeah, I really I like that. Um, I like that movie, and I don't know. I did. Did it just not make a lot of money? I don't. It's been what five, six years since they. And made it's it. been a little while. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 2010 that it came out. So I don't know why they never. Uh, why they never went back and made another one, unless it just didn't make enough money. But it it was a fun movie. I liked it, especially if you like the TV show, because all that over the top, especially the last uh, third of the movie, all that over the top stuff that they did. They did all that kind of stuff in the TV show. This is just an, on a bigger scale, you know. Yeah. And along those lines, I'm I'm curious as <laughs> I'm really curious as to why they bothered rebooting MacGyver uh, <laughs> TV show. Um. Yeah. I'll give it a shot, but yeah. I'm kind of worried about that. You know, I, I yeah. saw the I saw the trailer for it. I'm afraid that it being more uh more of a modern take that they're gonna make him a little more high tech than he should be. You know, I'm, I'd be surprised if he weren't using his phone for a lot of stuff to get out of all these jams and stuff that he got into in the original series. But I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> it, if anything, at least, they, at least they kept the main character with really bad hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, what's the first one on your list? Okay. The first one on my list is The Last Starfighter. And uh, it, I... The the move it I think it needs a reboot. Uh, I, I recently watched it for a discussion on another podcast, uh, and uh, a couple of years ago I got the the twenty fifth anniversary uh, Blu Ray uh, of the Last Starfighter, and I was really excited about it. Uh, something something happened in my brain that made me remember the movies being better than it was, <laughs> and after after I watched it, I remembered that I really didn't like it when it came out. Um, not because of the story. The story is great. The story is every nerd's fantasy. You know, if you're not familiar with The Last Starfighter, the basic premise is a kid in a backwater trailer park out in the middle of nowhere, USA, uh, breaks the top score on uh, a, a video game. Now, of course, this is from the 80s, so it was a standalone cabinet video game like they used, like we used to have when I was young. <laughs> um, and what it turns out is that the video game wasn't just a video game. It was a recruiting tool and that this, this shyster named Centauri played beautifully by Robert Preston uh, is uh, he comes and he, he talks the kid into leaving with him. The kid doesn't realize he's an alien, takes him away to become a starfighter to defend the frontier against Zora and the Kodan Armada and hijinks ensue. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it is so close to being a good movie. <laughs> it's it it almost succeeds but the biggest failure of the film is all of the visual effects shots are done with 1986 computer graphics yeah and while i applaud them because if you watch the making of documentaries on the blu-ray it, the they knew that they were trying they were pushing the envelope that they were trying to make computers do something they just weren't equipped to do yet um and they could have easily they they had standard you know model you know models and miniatures and stuff VFX houses saying look we can do this in half the time for a fraction of the cost and give you a good movie and they insisted on doing the CGI and I'm I 
while I applaud them for doing groundbreaking stuff, I really think that it 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 tanks the movie because it all looks like terrible cartooning. Um, and you know, at the very minimum, I would love to see the movie re-edited and all the VFX shots done with modern effects. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, but I think just a complete reboot of the film would would succeed massively. There have been rumors of or there have been attempts to do sequels and remakes many, many times over the years. And it's just one of those films that never has made it out of development hell as far as doing a second film or doing a reboot. And I think it really, really, really needs one because it's a great idea. It's a great story that just, it just, it just needs a little extra kick to become a great movie. Yeah. And the only thing that I think that would stand in its way is the fact that um, Ernie Klein Ernie Klein is the uh, author of Ready Player One, and mm-hmm. he's they've got the film of that coming out ne- next year. I think it's next year. I'm so looking forward to that. He wrote an- <laughs> he wrote another book called Armada that has a very similar plot, and I'm sure that if Ready Player One is successful, they'll probably make a movie of that. And I think that would be the only thing that would stand in the way of them making a reboot of the other one. Mm-hmm. So, but. I've got um, my first pick is Highlander. And I talked about Highlander on our cult classics episode a few weeks ago. I love this movie, and I was a fan of the TV show when it came out in the 90s. That being said, the movie is very dated. It looks like the 80s. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the story is kind of slow, especially the present day part. You know, some of the the flashbacks are a lot more epic and more interesting to watch, but I would love to see this world revisited, but I don't think they'll make any more sequels to this version of it. I think they would have to remake the original in order to, to get to it. The TV series ended and, and there was a film called Highlander, the source that was on the sci-fi channel back in 2006 or seven. And it was really, really bad, (laughs) but the, the, the basic story is still there, and I'd love to see something new and fresh done with it. I don't think it has to be a remake of the original movie, just make a new movie and retell the story of Connor McCloud. You can tell it completely different if you want. You know, uh, there's a there's a lot of possibilities for scenes in the past that they could do. Uh, I, I just I just think that 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 franchise is ripe for a for a remake, and I know they were talking about it for a while at one time ryan reynolds was attached to it which i'm not sure if i'd want to see him as connor mcleod <laughs> but uh but i would love to see something something done with highlander well i thought i had heard that they were doing one uh i'm looking it up looking up right now a dire- the director is nicholas troyan uh and it looks like uh they've been they're trying to get a, a highlander remake done and it looks like it's just kind of spinning its wheels. Yeah, it's been. They've gone back and forth with it a few times. And like I said, at one time they were saying Ryan Reynolds. At one time, I think they said, um, Magic Mike, the dude from Magic Mike. What's his name? Channing Tatum. Yeah, Channing Tatum. I think they had they had said something about him at one time. If they went with either one of them, I think that they would change a lot of the fundamentals of the series because he probably wouldn't be Scottish anymore. But 
I don't know. He could. I just. I, well, neither, neither was uh, uh, Lambert. No. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's true. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I I think that something could be done with that. I just I I hate to see that it's just taking so long for. I mean, if they can make a move, if they can make two movies of GI Joe, come on, <laughs> we can get a Highlander movie out there. <laughs> But uh, Brock- you know, I almost put Highlander on my list, and okay. I, I <laughs> we've well, the thing is, we've had some sequels to Highlander, and and we, I, you know, we we kind of wish we hadn't. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> why I, I I don't think that they'll go back and make another sequel to that series just because they kind of fizzled out. Even though the third one was better than the second one, <laughs> but. Um, but I think that if they went back and remade the first one, I I really think that there would be an audience for it. That that you could you could tell a modern day story, and it doesn't even have to. The flashbacks don't have to go back to Scotland. You know, there's a whole there's a lot of past that, that they can, that they can do. You know, you can make it a western, or you can make it ancient Rome. You can do whatever you want. You know, you can because you. And I think in the in the movie he was three hundred years old, maybe four hundred years old, something like that. You can make him older than that. You can make him not as old as that. You know, it doesn't have to be a straight up remake. You know, it's, that's that's what a reboot is. Is we're starting over. You know, so. Well, Brock, what's the next one on your list? Well, I'm really a purist, so uh, I mean, reboots, remakes are really not my thing. Um, so trying to think long and hard about what I'd like to see, um, yeah, you know, uh, I think as far as, as far, if anything needs to be continued, um, I'd love to see Beetlejuice, you know, they, they toss that around for the longest time between Tim Burton and, and Michael Keaton. Um, they kept saying that it was going to happen, going to happen. And now it's just kind of fallen by the wayside. And I'd love to see, you know what kind of stories I could come up with after that for him? I think I think I've heard something recent about Beetlejuice. I know I heard that they're going to do a Broadway play of it or something like that. that. That's that's the story. I was like I, I was trying to remember what. Yeah, they're 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 doing. Well, there have been numerous attempts to do a sequel to Beetlejuice, and mm-hmm. at one point uh, they they even asked. Kevin Smith, if he would consider writing Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian, and that is not a joke. They they were no. seriously wanting to do that. And uh, uh, as, as he puts it, didn't we really say all we needed to in the original Beetlejuice? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, they're they're doing a, a Broadway musical. I think it's a me. I would assume it's a musical. Yeah, I mean uh, they make they make a Broadway musical out of everything nowadays. You know. Yeah, but- um, They've got a they got a musical of Shrek and they every it seems like every movie that comes out they've got to have a a Broadway version of it or whatever you know when I went to New York a couple of years ago you go to Broadway and there's probably five thousand plays going on <laughs> at, <laughs> at any time and most of them are just com- probably just complete crap you know but I, I don't know what it is every movie that comes out hey we've got to make a musical version of this and put it on the stage. <laughs> I don't know, but Rick, what's the next one on your list? Okay, I've I've got several. Uh, I'm trying to triage my list here, <laughs> but um, 
something I would like to see uh, a TV show that I would love to see re rebooted because I think it was a it was a great show when it was on, but it's very much a product of its time. And that's a show from the late '60s called UFO. Uh, are either of y'all familiar with it? I'm not. No. No. Okay. Have you heard? You've heard of uh, Space 1999? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And the, and the Thunderbirds? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those were all made by a couple named Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. Uh, he did all of those um, Super Marionation shows, Captain Scarlet and the Thunderbirds and stuff like that. And UFO was his first attempt, or their first attempt, to do a live action show. Uh, and so what you had was was Live, live action characters and then all of their spaceships and submarines and vehicles and stuff all were like models, you know, a little like the toys from the Thunderbirds. Yeah. Um, and, but the premise was dark as hell. The, the idea was that flying saucers, like your classic, you know, spinning flying saucer things were coming to Earth. Uh, and the aliens were kidnapping human beings. And what they ultimately find out, what they were using them for, is as organ farms. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just kidnapping people and then stealing their organs to keep their own species alive. Um, and so, and it, it's back in the 60s, it was just very mod and very hippie and go-go boots and and there was a moon base and all the, it was run mostly by women who all had purple hair and wore these mesh outfits that, you know, for an (laughs) eight-year-old kid, just hitting puberty. I'm like, whoa. Um, (laughs) uh, And they all had these gorgeous British accents. It just, that's where my Anglophilia began, I think. Um, But it could really, I think it could do great in this, this modern you know this current time we have now where uh you know dark and scary is is happening on TV i think this could be you know almost like a cross between the x-files and american horror story it could be really really uh, maybe not necessarily gruesome but yeah. they could get into, into some really dark territory uh while still maintaining the 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 science fiction atmosphere of it yeah i'm going to have to look that up i've never heard of it I've, like I said, it's, I've heard of Thunderbirds and and Space nineteen ninety nine, but and at, well, actually, Space nineteen ninety nine is a direct result of UFO because UFO their first season did pretty well, uh, right up to the end, and they were they were getting they were in pre production for a second season when viewership tanked and they got canceled, but they had all of this they they were going to add a moon base to or, or add some new moon stories or something. And so what they ended up doing was they took all the the pre-production that they had done for season two of UFO and kind of tweaked it a little bit and used it to make Space 1999. Yeah. I know they made a movie of Thunderbirds, but once you take the marionette aspect out of it, it just yeah. turns into something else, you know. It just didn't really remind me of – and it had the guy, that, the guy from ER, whatever. I can't remember his name now. But yeah, and it was just a live action science fiction show. It was kind of kind of on the corny side and everything, but it was supposed to be Thunderbirds. It just didn't look didn't look like it. So yeah, just just a warning. If you do uh, UFO, it's on it's on uh, it's on uh, YouTube. Yeah, uh, you can find it on YouTube. Just beware, it is very very sixties, uh, <laughs> and so it's sexist as all get out. And you know, even though it's supposed to be set. In the in you know in the advanced future of I think like 1989 or something right. like that, yeah. uh, it's it's very much a, a you know a product of the 60s or 70s. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, all right. I'm going to get some flack over this next one because uh, probably not from you guys, but probably from the audience. <laughs> but uh, Quantum Leap is one of my favorite shows of all time. And I mean, it's right up there with with Star Trek for me. I really liked the simplicity of the show. It was a, it was sci-fi, but it was a show. It didn't have over the top effects. They really relied on good storytelling and good acting. And a lot of fans um, say that the TV show was lot, was left uh, wide open to come back as another series or to have a sequel series made from it. I think that the original idea had probably been to make a TV movie. You know, they kind of did that with Knight Rider. When Knight Rider went off the air, they made a couple of TV movies of Knight Rider. Incredible Hulk, Dukes of Hazard, that kind of stuff. And I think they were originally going to do that, but it, it didn't ever happen. So I don't think it would really be wise to bring Scott Bakula back as Sam. And Dean Stockwell, I don't think he's able to do regular series television anymore. He's like 85 or something like that. Yeah. But I know a lot of fans want to see a sequel series come out on maybe cable that would focus on, are you guys, were you guys pretty uh, fans of quantum leap? Oh yeah. I used to watch it every week. Okay. Um, I, I watched it occasionally. I wouldn't say I was a fan, uh, but I, I didn't dislike it. I just didn't pay much attention to it. Well, on the show, um, there was an episode where Sam basically had relations with a woman in in the past, and Al kind of said that there was a lady in the future that was Sam's daughter. It was kind of insinuated that way, and her name was Sammy Joe. And uh, Sam fathered this daughter while he was in the past. Her name's Sammy Joe Fuller, and she works at Project Quantum Leap, according to Al. So the fans say, "Well, there's a there's a, there's a lot of real estate there for a a series or a movie or something like that." So they want to see a show about her finding out that Sam was her father and kind of going back and trying to save him and all that kind of stuff. But I think that if you do something like that, you're going to alienate a lot of people that weren't alive. 20 years ago when quantum leap was on and they're going to be lost and they're probably not going to watch the show from the beginning just because you're making it as a sequel. So I'd like to see them do a reboot with new characters. And if the show is successful, then in later seasons, you maybe you can weave in the, the other series later on, you know, um, I know, uh, I said something on Twitter about it and Scott Madison from, your other podcast, Rick, was quick to tell me no reboot. I, I think I, I think I've heard his name. Yeah, um. <laughs> but I think that you know maybe a film series, maybe a couple of films or something like that. But the downside of making it into a movie is that they would have to play up the sci-fi aspect and not as much the storytelling because the the thing about Quantum Leap was that every week he was a, a different person, and it was a completely new story every week. And the only characters that were from show to show were Sam and Al. Well, if you did a film, you really wouldn't be able to do that unless you had him leap into another person every 10 minutes or something like that. Unless you just made a film where it was just one leap and at a time or something like that. But I think a rebooted TV series would probably work best for that or a miniseries or something like that. So, But Quantum Leap, yeah, that's my that was my next pick. So, Brock, you got something else for us? I would like to see a modern take on war games. Oh, yeah. 
Mm. Uh, that's one movie I really, really enjoyed back in the eighties. And, you know, I remember seeing the, uh, what, didn't he have a modem that he had to actually set the phone, the receiver on, yeah, yep. I think so. you know, <laughs> yeah, I remember those. Yeah. I had one of those too. <laughs> back then. Um, so I, you know, I'd love to be able to see, you know, of course the technology is just so widespread right now that in, it would probably look a lot like, you know, another movie currently. And I'm not thinking of one in any specific, but you know, there's always a movie of hackers and things of that nature, mm-hmm. but you know, I certainly wouldn't mind seeing one that's that's done maybe with that kind of storytelling with with some updated with some updated tech. Yeah, um, you know, nowadays we can uh, download a game in about four seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Back then, it, there was nothing worse than sitting for two hours waiting for a game to download, and then your mom picking up the phone. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) That's how I became a night owl. When she was asleep, I would do that. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Rick, what's your next one? Okay, uh, I'm going to get real obscure here. (laughs) Uh, Back in the 70s, there was a god-awful movie that came out called Damnation Alley. And uh, uh, either of y'all heard of it? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Heard of it. Okay. It was based, and by based, I mean they took the name of the main character and the title of the book uh, <laughs> and the basic uh, 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 setting. That's the word I'm looking for. Sounds like World <laughs> War Z. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it, the, the book was written by Roger Zelazny, who was one of my favorite authors. Uh, he, he's, his stuff, he, he sadly passed away about 15 years ago, but uh, he wrote these he would write these amazing short novels uh, where he would just take a premise and just do uh, just incredible stuff with it. Uh, and one of the books he wrote was a post-apocalyptic adventure called Damnation Alley. Uh, and it's, you know, the, you know, the blasted Heath kind of, you know, nuclear wasteland that used to be the United States and a character named Hell, Hell Tanner uh, has to, and I, I can't even remember the plot line from the book anymore. It's been so long since I read it. Uh, but basically he gets this, this super souped up mega van sort of thing and, and has to set off across the badlands to deliver a, a, a serum or some, something like that. Um, and the movie, it, it took the, you know, the, the, the nuclear wasteland and the van, and they named the, the the main character Hell Tanner, and that was about the only similarity it had. And it was just terrible special effects, and you know, it, uh, sub Ray Harryhausen fighting giant scorpions and stuff. It was yeah. just awful. Um, but any any of Zelazny's books would be awesome. But I would love to see, you know, especially in this you know this day of uh, an age of of a Mad Max movie, really showing people how to do it. Yeah, you know, because I I know that the post apocalyptic setting has kind of been done to death, but it hasn't been done to death in a long time, and maybe it would be cool to see it done well for a change. Yeah. Okay. Are you, oh, okay. I thought you cut out for a second. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, my next pick is Spawn. You know, in in the nineties. Spawn was huge. You know, it was it was a comic 
and some it has some animated direct to VHS releases. It had a cult following, so it was a no brainer that this property would be made into a film. You know, it was just at the very beginning of all the comic book all the comic book movies and everything. You know, it was about the time that I think Batman Forever, maybe in that era. Um, the problem was that it was made into one of the worst superhero films that I've ever seen. It was it was like they were trying to make something dark and gritty, but they were afraid to go all out. And if the 2000s have proven anything, it's that we can handle dark and gritty. <laughs> so this, yeah. this story is supposed to be about a hero that gets his powers from Satan. So if we're going to go there, then go there. <laughs> you know, I remember being really excited about the movie. And uh, looking back now, I don't really know why. Because, I'm, I mean, John Leguizamo and Martin Sheen don't exactly strike me as the best choices for comic book villains. But not that I have anything against either one of them. Both of them made really good movies. But they they need to not make comic book movies. And after Super Mario Brothers, Leguizamo should be banned from sci-fi and fantasy altogether. <laughs> you know? But the the problem now is that Spawn isn't really a household name anymore. But I think that the right director... I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was not a huge comic book at the time that that movie was made. It was a comic book from way back that made a movie of it. Now it's big again, you know. So I think the right director could make something that could bring him back into the spotlight, you know. And this is the time to make your super, your dark, gritty superhero movie, you know. So did either one of you guys see that movie? Spawn, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But I never read the comic, so I really didn't know. I I thought it was fun. I, you know, Leguizamo was the he was he was the 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 hot stuff at the time. You know, he was, you know, it, it, casting him was very similar to casting Will Smith in the Wild Wild West movie yeah. <laughs> in that I'm I'm sure there was a lot of, if you want my money, you will put John Leguizamo in the film. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I, like I said, I hadn't read the comics, so I didn't know whether he was doing a good job as that clown thing or not. I know he creeped me the hell out. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because the and the comic book version of that character seemed, and it's been years since I read these comics, but that character was a lot scarier than what they could possibly do in a film that was made in a world that was pre, it wasn't pre-CGI, but it was in the era before everything was CGI. I think now it could probably be done a, a, a lot better. I think Spawn could, the character of Spawn himself could be done a lot better. I don't, I, I didn't really think that he looked realistic enough to me. I don't know. And I really hated the scenes where he went to in the beginning where he went to hell and all that kind of stuff that all looked really fake to me at the time. I haven't seen it in years. I could be wrong. I, I just remember, uh, being really disappointed in that, in that movie at the time. And it, and it and it's it was really disappointing because everybody in it I liked, like Leguizamo I liked in other stuff. Martin Sheen has made tons of stuff, and uh, Michael was it Michael Jai White I think is the is the guy that actually played Spawn, and he's done tons of stuff before and since, you know. So I think that may have been what disappointed me the most was the fact that everybody in it I knew was better than what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brock, did you, uh, did you have anything you wanted to say about that? 
But that just brings to mind um, a quote-unquote superhero that you've seen in recent movies, but had a movie in the 80s that uh, was really bad. But uh, could probably with today's abilities of uh, technology and everything, and hopefully some better writing, um, might be able to do well. But that's Howard the Duck. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, I thought mean, you were going to say Ghost Rider. That you, you surprised me with that. One. <laughs> I was just thinking. Well, we saw him at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And and his movie, which I guess essentially was like the, probably the first one of the first big Marvel movies. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how how they would. I don't know how they would take it, and I haven't seen it since the eighties. But I just I remembered. And I love Leah Thompson. Don't ever get me wrong, but that you know, it, the hair, you know, the, <laughs> that style. I mean, I, I love the '80s, but then I go back and I, I see things, and I'm like, well, you know, I miss a lot of things about the '80s, but not the style. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I would love to see what they could do with Howard, especially now that they've, you know, they stuck him at the uh, the post credit scene for Guardians. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see that. Yeah, how- I, I tell a lot of my students that anyone that gets nostalgic over the '80s didn't actually have to live through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Howard the Duck is one of those movies that I remember it a lot different than it actually was because I remember watching that as a kid and liking it because it was one of those movies that Showtime would show all the time, especially mm-hmm. the the few months after it came out. And uh, when my son was small. It was on like Hulu or something, so I put it on and I was watching it with him. And there were some parts in there that I didn't remember that I really didn't like explaining to him, you know, like <laughs> the bathtub. Yeah, he's the, yeah, there's a naked duck in the bathtub and then there and then there's another scene where he gets a job at a bathhouse mopping the floor. I'm like, Well <laughs> I'm not gonna really explain to my son what the bathhouse is all about and everything. He was yeah. like maybe six or seven at the time, but <laughs> <laughs> of course, by the time that scene came around, he had lost interest in the movie anyway. So, <laughs> don't blame him. Yeah. Well, Rick, what's the next now, one on your list? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just to, to say about Howard the Duck. I I can't swear to this, but I think I heard uh, after Guardians of the Galaxy came out and and the the spoiler embargo had finally been lifted about the the uh, the um, credit after credit scene. It was. It was Guardians of the Galaxy where we saw, Har- yeah. saw Howard, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, th- I think I read somewhere that either Marvel or Warner Brothers, whoever makes those movies, I don't, I don't even remember who's, who owns what anymore, um, but pretty categorically said, do not – there will not be a Howard the Duck movie. That was just put in <laughs> to make you laugh and yeah. don't, even, don't even think about it. Uh, but I could be very wrong about that. What's, okay. the, what's the next one on your list there? Uh, Rick. Okay, the next one on my list. Um, oh, which one do I want to do? All right, I'm going to blaspheme. What the hell? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is a classic science fiction film called Silent Running. Are, are you all familiar with it? Uh, I think mm, I think no. yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't believe I've okay. ever seen it. Yeah. Sean, as the host of a geek podcast, you need <laughs> to watch Silent Running. Okay. Um, that's that's just one of those you know it's Silent Running 2001 Blade Runner whether you like them or not you gotta watch this yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, and the one thing all three of those movies have in common despite the fact that I I well I love one of them uh, is they're boring as hell. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, 2001, um, I barely made it through. I, I, I've, I've seen it one time in my life and barely made it through it. The, the thing you need to do with 2001 is fast forward through the ape part because, you, you know, watch it once and then you, there, there's nothing in there you need to watch again It's because it takes forever. Yeah. Watch the, watch the stuff up until uh, um, Dave leaves the Discovery mm-hmm. and then you can fast forward through the rest of that until it's the hotel room at the end. Yeah. Um, but... Silent Running is about, uh, in the future, there is a, a ship orbiting the Earth that is, like, miles long, and it's got all these, these giant domed pods in it, and each pod contains a different ecosystem. It was like, the Earth was doomed, and so they put a, a, all of their bio, uh, you know, all of the biodiversity of the planet onto this orbiting, uh, you know, bio ship, basically. Mm-hmm. And... There are three guys manning this thing. Two kind of dude bros and uh, Bruce Dern. <laughs> and, uh, and they've got these robots. Uh, they've got three robots, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, that are just adorable. And, you know, they're kind of like uh, R2-D2 mixed with Tweaky, uh, only they don't talk. Um, <laughs> and I forget the exact storyline. It's... It, they get orders that they're 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 to destroy the ship, they're they're to, to eject the pods and come back to Earth, and so the two guy you know the two other guys are like oh, time to scrap this stuff and go home, and Bruce Dern is the you know the tree hugging hippie of the bunch, and uh, you know he loves all the plants and he loves all the robots and stuff, and uh, so he kind he snaps and kills the other guys and that's kind of the plot of the story mm-hmm. you know, sorry if i'm spoiling a 40 year old film <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it's about how he's getting you know saving the ship and saving you know and, and losing his mind and the robots and their one robot die and it's it's all but it's a very very slow movie and i i dig what they were doing with it this a lot of the music is joan baez and I suppose back in the 60s when everybody was stoned out of their minds and tripping all the time, uh, her music was great. I can't – it to me, it's almost Yoko Ono level of, ow, it's hurting my ears. Um, again, I, I blaspheme. I acknowledge that. <laughs> um, and I think it's a film that could really do with a, with a modern retelling. I think it could be – and, you know, the environmental problems are no better than they were back then. In a lot of ways, they're worse. Uh, so the message is certainly not dated uh, by any stretch. Yeah. And, you know, the the effects are, you know, what the effects were back in, you know, what is it, maybe 72, 73, something like that. Uh, so I think it could do with the reboot. I, I, I don't uh, – certainly deserves it better than some of the other things that are, you know, the day the earth stood still. What the, the the horrors they visited upon that poor movie? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see Silent Running remade. And we're we're kind of living in a resurgence of television, where television is starting to become this um, medium that more and more people are wanting to make content for. And instead of making a movie of something that you got to tell this story in two hours, well, I can make this mini series and I'll have six or eight hours to tell my story. And that sounds like something that would be prime for maybe a short Netflix, Netflix series or something like that. Yeah. It'd be fleshed out a little bit more. 
Well, that's the thing is today the line between movies and TV is far blurrier than it's ever been in the past. And, you know, it used to be to do something with big, fancy special effects, you needed to do a movie. But now that's just not the case anymore. Yeah. And I've, I was listening to Brock. You've heard of uh, Deuce Cast, right? Yeah. Out a good of- friend of mine does. Yeah, David Dollar is a really good friend of mine. Yeah, out of out of Birmingham here. And I was listening uh-huh. to their show today, and they made a good point. And this is really something that could be a topic for a whole another show. But um, the idea that Academy Awards only go to movies that have been theatrically released may have to be revisited sometime in the next few years. Because we're living in a time when... I think that attendance at the theaters may start going down and and content being made for television and for Netflix and stuff may be going up and it may be time to consider giving Academy Awards to films that are sent to other mediums other than theatrical releases and stuff like that but well I think the Emmys are are adapting themselves to online Categories, yeah, yeah. I'm not mistaken. Netflix kind of uh-huh. dominates. Uh, they they have for the past couple of years. They've kind of dominated the Emmys. So, okay. Well, let me go to my next pick. And I I started making this list before I saw the story that came out last week about Masters of the, Masters of the Universe. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and I'm going to go ahead and say what I was writing before I saw all of that. But you know, I I I know what I want to happen. And then I know what I think is going to happen because McGee is going to direct a film version of Masters of the Universe. And I've this is something that I've been expecting uh, for a, a long time as far as, you know, a retelling of the series. Because ever since Transformers and G.I. Joe came out, I knew that it would only be a matter of time before they would get to He-Man. And this is a series that I loved as a kid, but... But McGee, <laughs> I get goosebumps thinking about what he's going to do to this story because he created Chuck, which was a show that I love. I love Chuck, but he didn't he didn't write and direct every episode of that series. He directed Terminator Salvation, which led to canceling an entire trilogy that they had planned. And he says he's taking inspiration from Guardians of the Galaxy, Suicide Squad, and Game of Thrones, which sounds like a terrible combination to me. <laughs> those are all those are all three things that I love, but I don't know if I need Suicide Squad chocolate in my Game of Thrones peanut butter, you know. <laughs> but, but I'm I'm expecting that they're they're going to go for some kind of a futuristic dystopia instead of the alternate world like we had in the cartoon. They haven't casted it yet. I guess I'll wait until I find out who they're casting before I determine whether or not I can actually get behind it. But it looks like something that I won't see in theaters. I'll probably wait and see it either at the $1.50 theater or on demand or something like that. But what I want to happen is a faithful adaptation of the cartoon. Um, I know it would have to be changed some because it's an 80s filmation cartoon and needs to be updated with special effects and CGI and all that. But the character- oh, when actors move more than their heads, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I don't think that the characters need to be changed. You know, I think it's all there. Where the original movie failed is that for budget reasons, they decided to take He Man out of Eternia and put him in present day suburbs for a big chunk of the movie, and they didn't have the money to create a lot of the characters. Uh, you know, like Orko and 
I think that with CGI, it could all be done, and Skeletor wouldn't have to wear a rubber mask through the whole movie. <laughs> you know, so, but, you, well, know. I, you know, Masters of the Universe was was one of the lesser crimes Golan and Globus perpetrated upon the cinema in the... Uh, <laughs> There was a, uh, they actually planned a sequel for Masters of the Universe, and they actually did make the sequel. They just turned it into something else because uh, they, they canceled the idea of making the sequel, and instead they took that script and retooled it and turned it into a Jean Claude Van Damme movie that I can't, off the top of my head, I can't remember which one it is. But it's one uh, of, he probably can't either. Is, yeah, it's <laughs> one of the really bad ones. I can't know that. <laughs> but, <laughs> Okay, Brock. What's the uh, what's the next one on your list? I think I'm tapped out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I uh, there, there's this. It's uh, it, I I absolutely love you know just hearing what you guys are saying and and I'd love to see a lot of these ideas come to fruition and there's so many things out there that I remember loving as a kid but there's so many things I haven't seen in so many years that I've just completely forgotten. And so my, uh, my scope of, of, uh, nostalgia for, uh, for different types of properties back then is pretty, uh, pretty limited. Yeah. Okay. Cause you know, you get old and your memory goes, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Rick, let's see, I've got two more on my list. Rick, if you want to do one or two more off of your list and then I'll, I'll do the last couple of mine. Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, a couple. Well, there. I, I had Logan's Run on my list, but they're already doing a remake of Logan's Run, and I'm terrified about that. Um, <laughs> I hadn't heard about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I would love to see. Uh, again, it's a movie that that has a great premise, and even though the film won an Academy Award for its special effects, this was 1976, a year before Star Wars came out. And if you watch the movie. Uh, it's some really good model train work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to see a mini series on like Netflix or or uh, you know something like that of Frankenstein. Yeah, because I, have you watched Penny Dreadful? I watched the first season. I haven't okay. gone and watched the second season yet. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I, go back I, and give it another shot. I didn't really it didn't really. Ca- uh, grab me, um, but I'm going to go back and give the second season another shot. Okay, yeah, I, uh, that's right. I remember you telling me it, it just didn't uh, didn't work for you. I loved it. Uh, I have discovered over the past couple of years between Penny Dreadful and, and uh, Crimson Peak, uh, I love gothic horror. Yeah, um, and I think the time is ripe for a really good, faithful telling of Mary Shelley's novel. Because Frankenstein has been done over and over and over again in movies and TV, and it's never been done right. It's never and, – and the closest they've come to being faithful to the characters that Mary Shelley created were in Petty, was in Penny Dreadful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the Frankenstein story, uh, you know, if you had – you know, I suppose any – any television or movie version of Frankenstein has to have some big booming lightning laced creation moment. And I'm like, fine. Yeah. That's not how it was in the book. In the have you have either of you ever read the novel? Yeah, I read it in high school. Yeah, okay. high school. Um you you may recall I've read it a few times. Um there there's no 
big creation scene. It's just the Frankenstein gives the creature basically a, a shot, an injection, mm-hmm. and then goes to bed and he wakes up and it's standing next to his bed looking down at him. <laughs> and he freaks out. And he, you know, now that it's an actually animated living thing instead of just this slab of meat on his, on his table, he can't handle it. And he runs away and abandons the creature. And half the story is the creature learning to fend for itself and giving himself a name and learning to speak and read and, and, uh, and then just being absolutely brutalized by everybody he meets except one blind man who, who treats him uh, kindly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he find, you know through all of this, he, finally, he, he finds out who he is and where he's from, and he tracks down Frankenstein, and again, Frankenstein uh, uh, rejects him. And then the monster decides that if he can't have love, then he will be hated. And then he sets about to destroy everything Frankenstein loves. And it's a tr- it's a tragic story. Mm-hmm. And it's never been done in my in my opinion. It's never been done in a way that really points out the the, the absolute tragedy of the creature. Yeah, uh, Penny Dreadful really really does. Uh, and, and but it's but it's you know it's one part of a multifaceted story. I would love to see Frankenstein done just that story. That's the, and that, just focusing on it. Yeah, and that character was the one part of Penny Dreadful that I really did like. I liked Frankenstein's monster and the way that they were portraying. Oh, that. he was yeah yeah. I know that I read something a while back that, and it may be something that they've abandoned. But Universal had planned at one time to to make updated versions of all of their monsters. And I think it started with that. Uh, was it called I Frankenstein or something like that, that they made a few years yeah. ago and they were going to, yeah, they were going to, yeah, yeah, I, I know <laughs> they were going <laughs> to do like versions of all of their properties, like the Wolfman and, and Dracula. And it was going to be kind of more of the modern sci-fi telling like that. And, and then they were going to try and do, an Avengers-esque thing where they kind of blend them all together into one film and stuff like that. I don't know if they're still planning on doing that because I don't think I, Frankenstein, did all that well. So, I don't know. Well, I love Frankenstein movies and I really don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any others on your list? Uh, the only other one I would, I would love to see is them to pick up the Stargate universe again and, uh, you know, do something I think much better are. than Stargate I heard, universe. I they were. Well, no, what's happening is Roland Emmerich uh, and Dean Devlin are going to go back and reboot the original movie. Yeah. Because uh, they did they did the the first movie. And in my opinion, it's the only movie they did that's worth watching. Yeah. Uh, and then they didn't get – they lost the rights and then Universal got the rights and did the Stargate TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Devlin and Emmerich want to do the trilogy they originally had in mind. But they're saying that you know all of the players, are, you know, are way too old. They can't just do a sequel to the original movie thirty years after the first one came out. So they want to reboot the first film and then do the trilogy that they've had in mind all along. Well, I don't know if that's going to be <laughs> something I want to see or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a fan of Stargate. I'm doing a you know my one of my other shows is an episode by episode. A review show of Stargate SG-1 called The Seventh Chevron on the Simply Syndicated uh, Network. Look it up. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't know that, you know, I, I like the original movie of Stargate. Uh, it's it's a by-the-numbers space opera, but it's done so well 
that I really enjoy it. And, you know, we went back and, and rewatched it for the first episode of our, of the Stargate podcast. Uh, and it still held up. I still enjoyed watching it. Um, but I having, you know, Roland Emmerich is the man who screwed up Godzilla. How do you screw up Godzilla? <laughs> Ask Roland Emmerich. He'll tell you. <laughs> so do I want to see him hit Stargate again? Probably not. Yeah. I, but I would like to see the TV Stargate universe continue. I would love to see another Stargate uh, TV series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Brock, did you want? Did you have anything you want to say about any of that? Nope, I'm I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I I honestly didn't watch the Stargate TV shows. Um, it's it's a very underappreciated show. Uh, that's why I'm doing the podcast about it, because I realized there's tons <laughs> of Star Trek podcasts and tons of podcasts for just about any show you can think of. I couldn't find a single Stargate show. I've watched the, fir- the first Stargate series until my the market that I live in. Um, it had been coming on like Saturday nights at like 8 or 9 o'clock, and then all of a sudden they took it and moved it to like midnight. And after that, I didn't I didn't really keep up with it anymore. And that was before we had DVR. Yeah, you know, I had a, I could have had a VCR, but I didn't. I didn't have one at the time. So, <laughs> well, I, I I think the TV show hit at a time when I was in the Air Force, and during those years, I I didn't watch a whole lot because they they kept us busy. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's the reason I didn't. So I, I do need. I have been meaning to go back and, and at least start watching them, but I'm trying to burn through so many TV shows right now. It's not even funny. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I've got tons of stuff that uh, guys at work keep telling me. Are you caught up on Gotham? No, not yet. Don't tell me what happened at the end of the season. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So, but yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm personally finally getting around to Prison Break, and that's because uh, of Dominic Purcell and Wentworth Miller, who are in the. Um, uh, Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash and mm-hmm. Arrow and all that on on the CW, and because I like them so much on on those shows, we well, you know they're bringing uh, and, they're bringing that back. Yeah, yeah, I know. The Wentworth's not doing a whole lot of uh, a lot of the uh, CW shows anymore because of that. Yeah, so his participation is going to drop out, which I hate. But at the same time, I'm really digging Prison Break, so I'm okay with it. It's, it's been he's Captain Cold, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love the actor. I won't miss the character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Prison Break. It's going to be interesting to see where they go with it because because it's been so long since you don't usually get a series that got canceled so long ago getting to come back and do another another season like that. And so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. But I've got a couple more I wanted to touch on before we close up, but. Um, one of them is the Wizard of Oz, and I'm not going to argue about how much of a classic the Wizard of Oz, the Wizard of Oz is, because there there have been adaptations galore of the story, and, and and of course the most popular is the music, the musical starring uh, Judy Garland. But I read the whole book series when I was a kid, and there has not been a film version that has really remained faithful to that original book. the 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 classic musical actually only tells about two thirds of the story. There's a whole other journey that they go on at the end to meet the Witch of the South and all that. And there's backstory with all the characters that never gets explored. But I just think that they can make they could make a truly epic movie based on those original books. But instead, what we get are these alternate versions, like the 
Oz the Great and Powerful, and we get uh, uh, Tin ten Man, uh, Tin Man that came on the Sci-Fi Channel, you know, and stuff like that, where they're taking the original concept and doing a different version of it and stuff, and and I just want them to make a film of that book. No, I mean they don't have to make films of the whole series. I, you know, I don't expect them to do that because later on in the series they really start to get kind of strange. Anyway, L. Frank Baum was kind of kind of out there, <laughs> but but, uh, but that first that first book I think would they could make a really epic family oriented film if they wanted to. And uh, I always thought for years that um, Disney might do it because Disney. In the, especially in the 80s and 90s, they were big about taking classic uh, literature and turning it into really good uh, films. You know, we had Aladdin and, and Beauty and the Beast and all that kind of stuff. And I really thought that eventually they'd get around to uh, The Wizard of Oz, but, but they didn't. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> um, and the other movie that I think would make a good uh, reboot would be You've Got Mail. Because it's just a good classic love story. Of course, it was actually itself a remake of The Shop Around the Corner from 1940. So that version is an update of the other version. And in the original, they actually wrote letters to each other. And you've got mail. They were writing emails to each other. And I think that it'd be cool to see a, a version that takes place in the world of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But... This is one that I think could be done as a legacy sequel, like I was saying about Creed earlier, um, where it would be fun to see Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's characters after the original, uh, but maybe have a love story about their daughter and the man that she meets online and stuff like that. But I, I'd really like to see Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan get back together for one more movie before they both decide to retire, but I don't know. We'll see. I never saw the original, so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it is a chick flick, but you know, my it's, uh, I, it's, I prefer the term rom com. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just not yeah, my I, not uh, my cup of tea. Well, my wife did you know make me watch You've Got Mail a lot, and because I love Tom <laughs> Hanks, then I'm okay with it. Um, it actually really was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely, you know, you, you've got text or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got yeah. snap. It would just be, it would be interesting since that was an update, you know, itself. It would be interesting to see another update. And, you know, I like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan and I, I, I really mm-hmm. liked, um, um, Joe versus the volcano. I love that movie. And, and I you, need to watch that again. Cause I love, I remember really liking it and I don't remember squat about it except them being <laughs> on a raft on the, du- in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> and I, re- I remember the lightning bolt kept showing up all the way through the, I mean, there's like four or five times yeah. that there's like a, a huge lightning bolt when he's walking through the line to get to work, he's in a lightning bolt shaped line. And then, and then the same thing when he's going up to the volcano is in a lightning bolt shape and, you know, little stuff like that. I remember, but, but before we close up shop, I want to take a minute and remind everybody about the other project that I'm working on. I'm, I started another podcast recently called the prime direction and it's a star Trek themed show, but instead of being the usual episode by episode review or, a crew interview type show or something like that. I'm focusing on the fandom. So every episode I have a conversation with a fan of star Trek and we talk about their relationship with the show over the course of their life and 
Rick has been on the show, and Brock, I'd like to have you on the show at some point too. Okay. And um, a lot of the a lot of the guests so far have been fellow podcasters. I had uh, Scott Madison from the, from Next Time, uh, Richard Smith from Simply Syndicated, Davy C. Robertson from DC On Screen. In the coming weeks, I've got some authors and and other fans of the show. So if you're a fan and you'd like to be on the show, just send me an email to mail at cosmicpotato.com. And that show is available now. I think I've got seven episodes out now, and they're all at cosmicpotato.com. They're also on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all that stuff. So it's not on the same feed as this show. It's a separate show, so you'll have to subscribe to it separately. But And another quick bit of housekeeping um, just to let the listeners know, Cosmic Potato is going to be kind of slowing down their releases over the next couple months because re- recently we've been doing one-hour episodes every week. But after this episode, we'll most likely be going to a one-and-a-half to two-hour episode every two to three weeks like we were back when the show first started. And the reason for this is because I'm a part-time college student and I go back to class on Monday. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so I don't have time to uh, – recording the show isn't a big deal. It's the editing part, you know, that I don't have oh, yeah. I don't have as much yep. time for. So uh, so I felt like limiting the time that it, that it takes to um, – um, when we were doing the one-hour format, we kind of limited the amount of time that it took to do the, uh, the news and other topics that I wanted to do at the beginning, and we had to dive straight into the topic – and I felt that it was kind of affecting the quality of the show. So I want to go back to the way we were doing it in the beginning, especially until, you know, after the first of the year when things might slow down for me a little bit. But that does it for this show. Uh, Rick, you have anything you want to add or plug? Uh, just the seven Chevron, which I, I just did. We try to come out biweekly. Uh, we watch, uh, so that would be two Stargate episodes a month. Uh, there's also the Simply Syndicated Movie News Show, which we do do weekly. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's just I haven't got my new show out yet. It's uh, editing. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me on. And, Brock, thank you for coming back. I hope you'll come back again. Oh, it's my pleasure. I always appreciate uh, being on with you guys. And do you have anything you want to plug? Well, the only thing uh, that I, I normally ever plug, because it's so near and dear to my heart, is the Alabama Ghostbusters. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Alabama Ghostbusters. Uh, we're a charity, charity and community uh, group. So if you love Ghostbusters, if you love a bunch of guys who uh, have a great time, guys and gals, uh, and you want us to come out to any events uh, around the state of Alabama, then uh, just contact us on Facebook and uh, see what our schedule's like, and we'll see what we can do and how much fun we can have. When does um, when is when is Ghost Head supposed to be out on DVD? Do you know? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. From what I understand, the uh, the theme song finally has a music video, and it will be uh, it will be on the DVD. Uh, at Dragon Con this year, we're going to be screening uh, the director's cut of it. Oh. Um, so I don't know how close we are to it. I haven't talked to the director in a while, but it um, sounds like we might be uh, getting it pretty soon, though. Okay. 
Well, this episode will be released a few days before Dragon Con, so if you're going to Atlanta, I wish I was going. I can't go this year, but if if you're going to Atlanta this year, look look Brock up, say hi. He'll be walking around with a proton pack on his back, <laughs> <laughs> along with about 100 others. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if if you want to get a chance to see Ghost Heads, uh, since this will be out before Dragon Con. Um, Ghost Heads will be uh, – just look it up on the uh, the DragonCon app. Uh, that's on the schedule already. Uh, it's Saturday it's Saturday night, and I think we've got about a two-and-a-half-hour space, uh, I think beginning at around 7 o'clock Eastern. Don't quote me on that. Um, but definitely, if, if you want to come see it, uh, we'll, we'll all be in there talking about it. We're going to watch it and uh, hopefully just have a great time. Yeah, like I said, I, I wish I was going because I, I, I just found out uh, I did an interview for the Prime Direction a couple of days ago, and the guy that I was talking to, Jack uh, Jeff uh, Shackelford, told me that Shatner's supposed to be there on Monday to to speak. So I imagine usually mm-hmm. usually Monday is the day that people are going start leaving and going home. I imagine a lot of your diehard Star Trek fans are going to be sticking around that day. <laughs> so. Yeah, no kidding. I'm going to be sticking around on Monday. Normally, I go Thursday through Monday, but uh, we've got some work projects that are pretty important coming up on on that Thursday and Friday. So I'm actually going up on Friday evening after work. So I got to make sure I stay there a long time too. Well, yeah, I, and I can't. That time I can't go because it's my anniversary weekend. So, <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah that, that kind of takes uh, a little bit of precedence. Yeah. Um, just really quickly, uh, the Ghost Head screening and panel will be from 7 to 9.30 Saturday night, uh, Eastern Time, in the Hyatt Regency uh, 5. Okay. So I, I assume that's the, the room number. Yeah. And I will be in, which we'll probably do some shows between now and then, but in October I will be at the... Um, Alabama Phoenix Festival sci-fi festival that they're having in in Hoover, Alabama. Which I'll see you there. Yeah, you're going to be there. To, yeah, I'm going to be doing a couple of panels. I'm going to be doing a panel that is comparing uh, DC television to DC films, and I'll probably be doing the sci-fi Jeopardy that we did at uh, Magic City Con, and a couple other things. So I'm looking forward to that. So if you live in the Birmingham area, or if you live in the Southeast, you know, look. Look into coming to do that. It's actually a free convention on a smaller scale because it's going to be held at the Hoover Public Library, and uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, mm-hmm. I think that'll do it. Uh, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere else. Give us a rate and review so more people can find us. And of course, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or write to us at the aforementioned mail at cosmicpotato.com. And until next time, take care of yourselves and bye bye. <laughs>